Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ and Zach. Hey, hey, hey. Today, we got your final divisional preview. We're talking Montreal, Florida, Ottawa, and Toronto, closing out the Atlantic. Going to remind you guys one more time, we have our listener leagues going on. $2 a month through the Patreon. All proceeds and profits go to Mental Health America through that. You get in on the patron chat and the Discord. You get in on listener leagues. Uh, the chat by itself, I think, is worth it. Yeah, you can join the Fantasy Hockey Discord regardless of whatever you want to do, or you can find us on Twitter at FHF Hockey. Before we get into the preview here, we got a couple headlines, a couple injuries that we need to talk about. Robin Leonard and Max Pacioretty. Robin Leonard is going to miss the entire 22-23 season. He's having hip surgery. You know, they don't have a timeline out for him yet, but uh, he's not going to play. Looks like Logan Thompson, Laurent Brassois, those are your Vegas Golden Knight goalies right now. How do you feel? You know that I wasn't even in on Las Vegas this year anyway, so this really makes me feel better. Do you think they go out and make a trade, or do you think they rock Logan? I think they have to. They have to. They have Logan Thompson. That is their MO. I, and I like Laurent Brassois. is a great backup goalie. I like him as a backup goalie. But, like, you can't go into, like, they have playoff aspirations, correct? Yeah. And and I, I would imagine in their room, they have Stanley Cup aspirations. And with a goalie like Robin Leonard, then you can have those aspirations. You've got to quell your own interests at that point. Like, you have to go out and get a goal. You have to. Yeah, got yeah, you gotta. San Jose, baby. I know they're rivals and everything, but go get you a James Reimer. It's not going to be, you know... That's not a sexy goalie, but uh, it's a goalie, and it's probably your cheapest option. I know there's guys in the Discord talking like, you know, Jake Allen, Linus Olmark. Uh, everybody wants to throw their goalie at Vegas because they know they'll pay. But, man, that's tough. Pacioretty, uh going to be out till February. He's had Achilles surgery, same as Anthony Duclair, who we'll talk about in the Florida segment here. With these Achilles surgeries, they say six months. To be honest, I think that's a little bit optimistic you know Achilles surgeries are no joke especially when you play so heavily on your ankle like it's three to six months you're skating on ice yeah it's incredibly important they say it's three to six months six months if you like you know for sports and things like that Max Petretti's on the older side I don't know regardless of that like I think February is optimistic so I think we might be looking at March you know if you got an IR spot maybe like if you have a ton of IR spots for sure but uh, if you have one, I don't think that's, you know, that's not a hold I'm making to get a month or two out of out of Pacioretty. If I had to get Achilles surgery, I would be, I feel like I would be out forever. Like, I would be out so long. Yeah, we don't even use our ankles that much. Not yeah. as much as hockey players. I, I, I suck. Why? <laughs> so, I think Svechnikov is probably a lock for the top line. What do you think about Martin Nietzsche at this rate? Like, you know, he was fourth line with that top six all kind of backlogged, but now he can come back into relevance. I know we were saying we were kind of over Martin Nietzsche's by now, but uh, here he is again. Well, how are you not going to be? Um, yeah. He's definitely going to have a crack at that spot, but I don't, I don't think that it would be, you know, totally out of the realm possibility that Andre Kasha doesn't move up to that second line spot too. Yeah, they got Kasha. I like, um, I think Jarvis grabs that power play spot. So I think this is going to be a big year for Jarvis. Yeah, I think people are high on Jarvis, and and for for good reason. Yeah, like he's going to be, he's stapled into that top six, easy, easy peasy. That's my initial reaction as far as like the power play. It's it, you know, Jarvis gets that, but I think Nietzsche comes back into the top six. You would hope that Svechnikov gets the top line spot. Rod Brindamore is nuts with his line combination, so it's hard to really project what eighty two games as a lineup is going to look like, but. Uh, that's where we're at for the headlines. That's what we got. Montreal is our first team on the docket. They finished DFL 29, 49, and 11. 27th goals for 32nd in goals against per game. They had the 31st ranked power play. Only Philly had a worse power play, right? Third, third worst team Woo. save percentage. Philly. They've brought in Mike Matheson, Evgeny Dadnov, Kirby Doc, and they have lost Jeff Petrie and Alexander Romanov. That defense is brutal. It does not inspire confidence. Uh, if you had no. to pick somebody, who runs the power play? Okay. 
Because so, you, do, you do have to pick somebody. You do have to pick somebody. DFO has Chris Weidman here, but that's not who I would put. If I had to pick somebody, I would put Mike Matheson there. So would I. So would I. I, I did some digging into his metrics, offensive rate stats. He's 17th in the league at 5v5 points per 60 amongst D-men. You know, that's you got like Spurgeon, Gostisbearer, Brandon Montour, Gustav Forsling, Noah Hannafin, all inside that range. He's got more points per 60 than Carlson, Dowdy, Weger, Theodore, uh, 42nd in shots on goal per 60. He actually has really good offensive numbers. Um, and 62nd in the league amongst the men in assists per 60. So I, I do think Matheson's probably, he should be the guy. Like, I know they they leaned on Weidman last year. They didn't really have Petrie running that power play. Like, a lot of us thought they would. You know, on paper, Petrie looks like the guy, but it was Chris Weidman. So maybe they go back to it. I don't and know. Even at that, all Chris Weidman had was 12 power play points, and they were all assists. It's kind of like that Tony D'Angelo situation. Like, why, you know, I'm not exactly bumping somebody up my draft list if they're on the Montreal top power play. I think Montreal is going to be better this year, not by a ton, but, uh, you know, you get a full year of Martin San Louis, and a lot of these players got better under San Louis here. What are the expectations for Montreal? Like, are they going for Bedard? I don't think they really have, like, this is not a competitive year for them. I, don't I mean, think. whether they're going for Bedard or not, they're going to be in the Bedard sweepstakes. Yeah. Because let's just be honest, they, they don't have the depth. They, they really don't. I mean, you have Christian Dvorak is likely your, your second-line center, and I am super down on, on a Dvorak. Like, he's a streamer at best, mm. and that's and that's your second-line guy. Uh, for me, honestly, your only lock here is Nick Suzuki. And then, I mean, you're kind of looking elsewhere and kind of hoping. Uh, you're, you're hoping that you can get a, a, a Mike Hoffman from, you know, 2018-19, where he's scoring 35 power play points. You're hoping that Cole Caulfield and Nick uh, Nick Suzuki keep on, you know, growing what they've been doing. Now, Caulfield had a really slow beginning to last year. Now, he evened out a little bit, uh, but Nick Suzuki was by far just the, you know, best player on the team. And what, he had like 61 points or something like that? And he was the team leader in just about everything offensive. He was. Uh, 21 goals, 40 assists, 61 points was their team lead. Then you had Cole Caulfield with 43 and Mike Hoffman with 35 points. Both Caulfield and Hoffman played 67 games. If you remember, Caulfield got sent down to the AHL early in the season. But after San Luis came in, uh, that was on February 9th. Uh, From February 9th on, Cole Caulfield had 35 points in 37 games. Crazy good stat line. And when you look at, like, Nick Suzuki under Martens and Louis, 75-point pace. It's, you know, and he had a 49-point pace under Dominic Ducharme. So it really is not even a tale of two seasons, a tale of two coaches here. Like, he broke the 60-point threshold. To, you know, he seemed to really thrive under Martens and Louis. He's got a really good defensive game. He got Caulfield on his wing. I think there's a sniper there to pass to. If, if it's Mike Hoffman on the top line, too, you got two of them. You know, Hoffman likes to shoot, too. So I know you said Suzuki's a lock. I do think Cole Caulfield's a lock, too. I'll I'll give you Cole Caulfield because I do believe that, you know, with St. Louis there, he's going to make both of them better. But I think Suzuki was on the right trajectory either way. Cole Caulfield, I feel like, could have sputtered uh, if he didn't have the right direction. But, hey, I've been, you, you know, I've been, I've been big on Nick Suzuki for quite some time how about this stat here Cole Caulfield was on a 49 goal pace under Martin San Louis I'm taking the under I want to start there but uh you know his stats were really good 114 shots in 37 games shot around at 20 yeah, three shots on goal per game that's sweet yeah yeah I'm pretty high on Cole Caulfield at like you know in our mocks he's been going pretty late and you know it's it's a good find because those wingers are are hard to come by later on in the and not only that, but goals are hard to come by later in the draft. So Caulfield is a good late round draft target there. After that, I mean, those are the locks. I, I felt like I needed to pad this top fantasy target segment. So I put like Dadnov, Josh Anderson, Mike Hoffman in here, but they're all like, they're all question marks to me. Dadnov, I'm not sure where he's going to fit in in the lineup. 
Uh, I think he's got a little bit left in the tank. Like I'm not expecting huge things from him. Josh Anderson, again, if he's, if he's top line, I, c- I could see him kind of like being a mini TJ Oshie. And <laughs> that's, you know, how I feel about TJ Oshie. So shots are good. Hits are good. Point production's not bad, but it's not good. Uh, he is a right wing. So there's a bonus there. You know, if he's on line two, I'd be way less interested, you know, if Hoffman's on line one. So it's it's really it's whoever's on line one is kind of the streamer there. Yeah, I agree. But I, I do definitely have Josh Anderson on my list. I mean, you're definitely getting those hits. And and really what you're hoping for is the offensive upside because the offensive upside most assuredly is there. So you always have to like him. I mean, he's more of a streamer for me. If you are, I could see him getting drafted more in, you know, banger leagues and stuff like that. Um, but in your, you know, average points league, he's, he's definitely more of a streamer. Yeah, and he does, he hits on certain nights too. So if you, if you wind up streaming him on the right night, like Josh Anderson is so boom or bust, he'll get you like three goals and an assist, or he'll get you and nothing. eight hits. Like. Yeah, his stat lines are, are like, uh, you know, just boom or bust. There's no better way to put it. Uh, Mike Matheson I got here just because I do think he'll wind up on the top power play. Uh, is like real deep, real deep league uh, D if you need it. Hey, but I'm I'm glad that we agreed on that. I feel like I had the I had the right answer. I had all those rate stats lined up. I did. <laughs> I did my digging. Did my you know numbers nerdy stuff. So, uh, Brendan Gallagher I have on here just because I miss him. I miss him so much. He was he did so fun. So bad last year, oh, like man. so bad. I miss him. He was he was such a stud. Like you know, fifty points, a bunch of shots, and a bunch of hits. It was just great. Kirby Doc next up. Doc doesn't do a ton. Uh, he'll be on my watch list. Like if he starts shooting, or he finds himself in the top six, I think a spot start is worth it. But uh, you know, as it stands, he's never broken two shots a game for a season. He's consistently under a hit a game, doesn't take a ton of face-offs, and hasn't hit his stride offensively. So he's on my watch list, and that's as far as I'm willing to go with him right now. Like, uh, you know, Montreal is obviously a new start for him. So we're hoping that he takes off at this point, but we haven't really seen it. So we'll, we'll see what he looks like in Montreal now. But centers are so deep. Yeah. That's and the like, thing. Centers are so deep. We already kind of talked about how you feel about Christian Dvorak, the 2C. Now we're talking about the 3C in Montreal, and it gets a little more bleak. Down the road, sure, like, I love his, you know, his dynasty outlook could be great, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I haven't seen it yet. So right now I'm just, I'm not, not interested at this point. In terms of goaltending, you got Carey Price, you got Jake Allen. You know, Carey Price, he's rumored, the reports are saying that he's going to be physically ready for training camp, but mentally we don't know. Like, obviously, there was... Last year, we heard about his addiction, and hopefully he's progressing in coming over, overcoming that addiction. You know, all the love in the world for Carey Price. If he's back in the net, I think Montreal wins a couple more games for sure. Like, Price can steal games, no problem. And he is a good, solid volume guy, but uh, Jake Allen, you got to be confident in him as a backup, even. Like, he's been starter. And, yeah, I don't know. The, like, the goaltending tandem. I just like him a lot more as a backup. The goaltending tandem is definitely the best part of the team like they've got good goalies that can win games as as long as as long as carry price is playing then yes you can say that yeah their prospects they drafted first this year they took uri slikoski they've got caden gooley sean farrell uh jordan harris yesi yolanin uh, caden primo pretty good prospect pool here i like caden primo moving on to florida Florida finished first. They were the President's Trophy winner, 58-18-6, first in goals for. They were the best, the highest scoring team since the 95-96 Penguins. 12th in goals against per game, 5th ranked Most power play. Most shots on goal. Is that true? Good. Yeah? Yes. Most shots on goal per game. 15th in team save percentage. Power play ranked 5th. Buckle up. Uh, their key additions and subtractions is lengthy. They added Matthew Kachuk, Rudolph Balsers, Michael Delzato, Jerry Mayhew, Chris Tierney, Mark Stahl. They lost Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, Mason Marchment, Claude Giroux, Nola Shari, Marcus Nudavara, Ben Sherratt. This is, that's a lot. That's like half a team right there. 
just weighing all those names, like, in your, you know, mental Libra scale, which do you feel like is heavier? What they lost. So do I. Yeah. It's hard for my heart to say it, but this is a worse team. My head, it's easy. Like, this is not as good a team as it was last year. They're still going to be very good. I think Don't so, Don't get too. me wrong. Yeah. But they're, you know, they're in the shadow of last year's team. What's fun is that we're going to get a new Carter Verhage this year. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's Rudolph Balsers that comes up onto the top line and winds up, you know, surprising a lot of people. Or maybe it's Carter Verhage again, uh, you know, takes off from his... 60 point ways and goes into the 70 point threshold. It all depends on where Matt Chuck fits in the lineup. Daily Faceoff right now has him on the right wing with uh with Verhage on the left, Barkov in the middle, which sucks for Sam Bennett because he's losing a Huberdo caliber player on that line. It could be Matt Kachuk. Maybe they wind up putting him on the second line. You never know. I mean that hurts to Sam Reinhart too, unless Sam Reinhart gets put on that top on that yeah, top right wing. That's what because I he hope is happens. a right winger. That's what I hope happens, to be honest. You're hoping that Reinhardt moves to the right wing, or just stays on the right wing, top line, and Kachuk is on the left? Yeah, yeah, because remember, we have uh, Paul Maurice. When he was in Winnipeg, threw all the minutes at like Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele, that line. All the minutes. So I wonder if he sticks with his stack-the-top-line approach and just fills out the bottom nine. Uh, their points leaders, uh, new points leader is Matthew Kachuk, had 42 goals, 62 assists for 104 points in a full season. Barkov had 39 goals, 49 assists for 88 points in 67 games, 108-point pace. Sam Reinhart was 82 points in 78 games. First year for him over point per game. Aaron Ekblad, 57 Craziness. points in 61 games, a 78-point pace for Aaron Ekblad. I just hate that we always need to say pace with him now. Like the last three seasons, he hasn't been healthy. But he is so good when he's playing. He is such a big part of how that offense runs. Like they just swing it around and he touches the puck constantly. I mean, they they scored a ton of goals last year. He was a part on a a large amount of them. I mean, he's got to be out there. Do you think he's injury prone? Would you consider him injury prone? Like... When you when you break your ankle or you break your leg or something like that, that doesn't seem like something that like that can happen to anybody. And maybe it's just coincidence that it happened a bunch of years in a row. Like it's not it's not like he's dislocating his shoulder a bunch or you know pulling something that he keeps pulling a bunch of the same injury. His injuries are accidents. Maybe he's accident prone, but I don't know if he's injury injury prone. Yes, I mean it has been three years of you know pace under 70 games and and one year under 40 so well that was the um, that was the 56 game season so gotta give him that that's true all right uh top fantasy targets who are you taking first barkov or kachuk barkov me too yeah he's consistently dominant 108 point pace flat out elite there's no ifs ands or buts for me and i don't really see too much of a drop off for him with Huberto gone, except for except for the power play. He might not have as many power play points, but I still think that he's a 100-point pace guy. Easy, because, you know, he really didn't play with Huberto that much, except for on the power play. He actually played with Carter Verhage more than anyone else last year. Yeah, I think there was like 200 minutes that he and uh, Huberto overlapped at even strength. And I, I looked into it, there was like, 13 points where they combined. So it's not, you know, he can, he can get 13 points from Matthew Kachuk. So I, I really don't see his his point pace dropping at all. Hey, I got the right answer again. 100 points or 90 points. Like he's, you know, had he played a full season, he'd have been 100 points, like we're saying. His shots are over mm-hmm. three, great at faceoffs. The power play points are just out of this world. Potentially adding Kachuk to your wing, like, his line mates last year didn't have a Kachuk. 75% of his season was away from Huberto. Now you're going to get Kachuk there, hopefully. Uh, he was one goal away from his first 40-goal season. You know, it coincided with a career-high shooting percentage. So, you know, we, we've said it over and over again. This is the highest-scoring team since the 90s. And as a whole, there's got to be a step back. Even if this was the same team last year as it is this year, even with Giroux 
and you know Huberto and Uyghur and everything, I would still be projecting them for less points overall. That said, I still like Barkov for a hundred. Oh, so do I. So do I, because I think he can drive his own. He can drive his own play. They're still going to be a really good team. It's not like all of a sudden they're a bad team. They're not a bottom of the barrel team. They're still a playoff team. I just don't think that they are the cup contender that they were last year. As far as Kachuk goes, I think he is going to be, you know, pinned to Barkov this year. Because let's be honest, do you see Matt Kachuk as a drive your own line kind of guy? I personally don't. I think he's Huberdeau got it. Huberdeau was. Yeah, not to the level of Huberdeau. I think he's a play driver, but it's hard to tread water with Huberdeau. Matthew Kachuk himself, like his last, I mean, his point paces since entering the league is 104 this year, 63 last year, 72 the year before that, 79, 59, 52. That's the type of player we're talking about. Somebody that exploded for almost 50% more points. Really, it's like 35% more points, but you know, it's closer to that. It's closer to 50 than zero. Calgary was on fire this year. So was Florida. So one could say that like, you know, that this is, this should be seamless. Obviously, there's chemistry, which is variable we can't project here, and you can't quantify that. But these are two high-powered offenses, so it's Kachuk could be 90 to 100 points once again. Point per game, over-under, over. 90 points, yes. I, I probably still take the over. The ceiling is still there for 100 points. I actually have him between 85 and 90. That's where I put him. And I and I and so in, in what I had written down, I think that he is... Or has obviously the the possibility of being a point per game player, a, or not point per game, absolutely a hundred point player, along with Barkov. That depends on is he playing with Barkov pretty much the entire season. That is a big part of that hundred point if. Also, you don't really know what happens now. Now you you talked about chemistry, and that's kind of what I play it to. He's going to a new team, completely new line mates, everything like that. I kind of am leaning more towards the low, below 90, you know? It makes more sense to me. And if he does get 100, then I'm happy about it. But I don't know. I'm going to take the under on that 90. I feel comfortable between 90 and 95. So I I think I I would hedge my bets towards the over on 90, to be honest. But at the end of the day, whether I get an 88 point, uh, you know, Matt Kachuk or a 92 point Matt Kachuk, you're still getting a fantastic player. So, I mean, I, I know we kind of debate these, like, the, the minutiae, yeah. if you will. You know what I mean? <laughs> whether whether that five really matters on two in points, the long you know? run. We're like, no, nah, man, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> I'm yeah. taking the under. Like, But at the end of the day, I mean, he he's still going to be a great player. But I really think that those points are going to totally depend on, not totally depend on Barkov, but it's going to be a big piece of the pu- fucking puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like. You see what happened to his hits this year. He went from 2.4 to 1.1 per game from last year to this year. Is that because, you know... He had the puck so much, I wonder. I was going to say just the offense had the puck so much. Yeah, so you're not really hitting when you have the puck. And I think they were, you know, just looking at him. They were like plus 60, all of them. So you got to figure they're probably a good offensive line, the best if not. But yeah, I mean, I, his like, I'm a little bit worried about that. Sixty five percent this year. Yeah, you know that's a good. That's crazy. Possession. Like it's supposed. So just for everybody that knows, like it's supposed to be. You know, if it's above fifty, that's good. That means they're they're controlling the puck more than not. You know what I mean? Sixty five percent is fucking crazy. Yeah, it's plus crazy. Fifteen there. I think Maurice is the kind of guy to stack a top line. We don't know yet if he could be like kind of circa Huberto here where he's on the second line just to spread the wealth a little bit. But, you know, what Maurice did with Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley, I think really they're going to they're gonna stack the top line. I do. And that sucks for, for, you know, other guys. Like, I would love Sam Reinhart, Barkov, and Kachuk as a top line. Like, Reinhart himself had his first point-per-game season on the back of 31 power play points. I think his top power play spot is safe. For this year, but that top power play was huge for him this year. Huge. I didn't want to skip over Aaron Ekblad yet. That's the guy I had third. So I had Barkov, Kachuk, Ekblad. He is actually also who I had third. And then I got Sam Reinhardt next, but we'll get it, In terms of like tier two, 
for defensemen, he's, you know, right at the top for me, right at the top, like three shots a game, not much for hits and blocks, but the offense is just out of hand, like 77 point pace this year. I don't know if I'm ready to, to call him injury prone. You know, he, what, he broke his leg and then he twisted his ankle back in the most disgusting fashion. These are, these are accidents that happen to people, but he'll keep putting himself in those positions because he is such a huge because part of the he's defense. Aaron Ekblad. Yeah. He's going to go get at it. So it could happen. But there, there was a guy um, in the discord talking about Kucherov and he was just like, I don't know if I can do this for Kucherov. Like he was like, you know, he's injury prone and they're going to, they're going to put him on IR for the cap. And I was like, dude, that's how you lose a league is, you know, turning down Kucherov because you think Tampa's cheating. But I don't know. I, I'm confidently drafting Aaron Ekblad. This year, no problem. Sam Reinhart, everything that's been said, I want to start, you know, if he does get another shot on the top line, I think another point per game season is more than likely on the way. You know, there's a bump in line mates for him, which could wash out the regression that I have for, you know, Florida as a whole. I I really like Sam Reinhart here. How can you not love the sloth? How can you not love the sloth? He is awesome. This is uh, his first 30 goal season. And it's not because he had some sort of wild shooting percentage or or anything like that. Shooting percentage actually went down from last year. What happened was he took more shots. He took more shots and, you know, had a a shooting percentage that was still right on, you know, his, his, you know, right a little bit above, above, I'm sorry, his career average. But you take more shots, you put in more goals. 16 power play goals. That definitely helps. He's still taking more shots. I like the shots. He had his first he had his first season actually no, it's his second season above three hundred shots in general, shots attempted, that is. Uh but dude, I, I, I like Sam Reinhardt. And I also think that there's a chance that he does get that top line time. Because I think what could happen is what you want to happen. I mean, that's probably what I would do if if I was Florida. I would put Kachuk on the left where he's supposed to be and have Sam Reinhardt play a true right wing and and just roll out. I mean, you're going to have a stacked top line and a decent second line. It's not like you're not. But, I mean, someone's going to have to move over, whether it's Carter Hagee or Rudy Balls. Um, someone's going to have to because they're both, you know, really strict left wingers. And I wonder if it's time for Anton Lindell to take 2C. Like you bump Sam Bennett over. Oh, I like Sam Bennett though. Fuck. Make him a make him a fucking winger. They did it in Calgary. Yeah. I know he can he can do it. You know you have a backup guy for faceoffs, and Anton Lindell. Like I you know I don't know what they do at four C now, but uh, you know until Duclair gets back, they could potentially ride Lindell as a two C with Bennett on a wing. You know your top that six at that point. That would be a stack point, top six. That would be a stack top I mean. six. You give them like you're forty half minutes half. of the game. Yeah, and then you're just, you know, the other 20 minutes of the game, you're crushing people with uh, Ryan Lomberg. Is he still on that team? I can't remember. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Patrick Hornquist, like, you're just crushing bodies, man. Carter Verhage is my next option. It would have been Anthony Duclair if he wasn't out until January-ish. He's going to miss, like, half the season. And that happened, like, a month ago. So, you know, it's about the same timeline as uh, Max Pacioretty. But here with Carter Verhage... First line, second line, he's good, like, uh, you know, 50 to 60 points if he's on the second line, 60 to 70 if he's on the top line. Like, daily faceoff right now has Verhage projected as left wing one with Kachuk on the right side, Barkov in the middle. Carter Verhage is pretty much just offensive stats. He's not much for any of the periphery, but, uh, you know, I had him here nonetheless as as one of my top targets. Well, I think daily faceoff has him there because he spent so much of his time last year along with Barkov. It's clear that they do obviously have like a rapport. I, I'm probably a little higher on Carter Verhege than you are, but I do agree that it strictly depends on, you know, that top line, that top line spot, which I think he's good enough to have it. I mean, he had a great, a great year last year and I'm still in, I'm still in for Carter Verhege, but we'll see. For my streamer level players, I want to very strongly make a case for Gustav Forsling as the next Mackenzie Weger. Without hey, the periphery. I like Gustav Forsling. He's on my list too. I think he's going to be Ekblad's partner at even strength. 
So do I, but I don't think that he's he's not Mackenzie Weger. He's uh, I I like I like Gustav Forsling, and he also has offensive upside like Weger does. Yeah, uh, but he's 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 no Mackie Weegs. You're not going to get the hits and blocks from Forsling, and the defense is just not the same. With like Weger is such a good defensive presence, it's it's hard to really understate how important Weger was and what Calgary is getting. You know, Forsberg in in terms uh, or Forsling rather in terms of offensive metrics, the points per sixty, uh, Weger was thirty second. Forsling was actually twenty first, so he's got the edge there. Primary assists, Weger was seventeenth. Forsling was thirty second. Five v five assists per sixty, twenty second for Weger, twenty ninth for Forsling. Five v five goals per sixty, Forsling was fifteenth. Weger was ninety sixth. So I think the the offensive transition is really not going to you know, there's not going to be any speed bumps here. Forsling was on a 43-point pace, and that was without Ekblad. Weger, for all the love that he got, you know, obviously it was the two blocks, two hits, two shots, you know, two and a half shots a game. But he was on a 45-point pace, so Forsling was almost there without Ekblad. So I, th- I wonder, I really wonder what an offensive season looks like from Forsling on Ekblad's pairing. You know, if he gets Weger's minutes, I think he could catch him in shots. I don't think the hits and blocks will ever be there. He's not going to be as valuable in fantasy leagues that counted that. But for offense, like I think Forsling is a pretty sneaky, you know, end of your decor option here. Really sneaky. I mean, Mackenzie Weger only had two minutes more time on ice per game. You can get half a shot in there. You can definitely get half a shot. I'm about to take half a shot right now. You can. I mean, uh, and and you're making me you're making me feel bad for like rooting against Gustav Forsling now because. I I can't see a world where he's the where he's the new Mackie Weeks. I mean, I like Gustav Forsling, and I have him on my streamer bit here. But well, he'll he'll never be a Mackenzie Weger, and it's because of the periphery. But if you don't think that you know Weger was on a forty-five point pace, Forsling was on forty-three. Like if you don't think Forsling can put up forty-five two extra points over eighty-two games playing with Ekblad and the big boys at even strength, like I wonder if. You know, 48 to 50 is impossible. Really, really sneaky. I could see it as possible. and But he's still a, he's still a streamer. He's still on a, he's a watch list guy for me. I love him as the, on the back half, like especially points leagues with like, you know, muted hits and blocks, banger points, and even Sam Bennett. So I, you had have, I was a, just going to say you have him yeah. ahead of Sam Bennett. And you love Sam Bennett, I don't too. really, I, I'm going to be honest Fucking with you. Bangs, baby. I'm going to be honest. I don't really order. Like, I just put names down. I don't put it in order. Fair enough. And I wish Sam Bennett would get back to it. Like, losing Huberto is tough. And that's where I I wrote about potentially Lindell moving up. Bennett moves over. And then you have a Verhage, Lindell, Bennett top six to go with your Kachuk, Barkov, Reinhardt. Like, that's a mean top six. That's not bad. Bennett's a lock for 50 points. 60, 65 is a pretty comfortable ceiling. The hits are always over 100. Good face-off numbers. Tons of shots. You know, this year, it's been way underreported. His shots exploded. Almost 3.5. Career high before this was 2.2 per game. Blew past it. 3.4 this year. Incredible. He attempted almost 400 shots. What a guy. Almost 400 fucking shots. It's crazy. Uh, And then I got Anthony Duclair here. You know, do back around January. You got to keep tabs on the guy. I think there's, there's some pretty valuable wing spots in the top six that he could be snatching up. You know, looking at like January, February ish, and then there's you know the bangers: Radko Gudis, Patrick Hornquist. I like Anton Liddell as you know if he's three C, he's kind of a deep league hold or deep league stream. And then you know Brandon Montour too, man. He could be power play too. Thank yeah, you. thank right. you, Jesus. I'm like sitting it away. over here, it away. just wedge fucking twiddling my thumbs, just yeah, waiting for, for you to bring up Brandon Montour. And if you weren't, I was gonna sneak him in there. Jesus, I like Brandon Montour, man. He's a great streamer. He's a great streamer. He has offensive upside, almost a hit and almost a blocky game. He's not someone that like you're drafting. You're not going to have to even waste a draft pick on him. But you can pick him up, and he has potential. Like he just does. Do you think he even sees some second uh, second power play time? He's played on the power Montour, play before. Yeah, yeah. I-, I think Montour gets it. Like you know, maybe Paul Maurice has a different opinion. Maybe it's Forsling. Um, but you know, Montour was there last year and they picked Montour over Forsling. There's gotta be, 
a reason for it. Yeah, I like Brandon Montour. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. The offensive profile of Forsling, Uyghur, and Montour is insane. Like, they're consistently all top 40, top 30 guys in, in rate metrics uh, leading offensive. It's it's crazy. Like, great offensive team. Defense, man, they're, they're going to be in trouble. And that makes me really worried for Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight. Like, if we're, if we're ready to talk about, uh, unless there's anybody else you wanted to talk about, Rudy Balsers, did you have anything for him? No, no. Uh, I have him in my in my streamer in my streamer section, um, but I'm not a, I'm not a Rudolph Rudolph Spalsers guy. Uh, we'll see if he does somehow make it into that top six, then he's a lot more attractive. But even at that, like I think you know that top six has a has a chance to be streamy already, especially with like a Sam Bennett. So deployment based stream, you know, if he if he gets a chance, then absolutely. Uh huh. But more than likely, he's probably bottom six. That brings us to the goaltending. Um, is this the year that Spencer Knight takes volume? No. That's that's all I wrote, too. Just no. 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 Like, I would love to see Spencer Knight in a more, you know, prominent role than he currently is. But they're just paying Pokrovsky way too much money yeah. to have Spencer Knight be taking a bulk of the games. It just doesn't make sense. You can't do that. I mean, I guess you can, like, if you really feel that fucking strongly about it. But that's what you're saying to your to Sergei Bobrovsky is, you know, all right, man, uh, this is going to be the end of the road here for you soon because you make too much money and you're not playing. That's the argument that always comes up, and it's just going to be hard to trade him too. It's a, it's a, you know, a sound argument. He's making ten million dollars. You don't. That's not your one B. Jesus. Yeah, I worry about their defense. So. That's going to be tough. Um, but they picked up Mark Stahl, so it should all be better. Prospects. Oh, this is so bad for uh, They Ugh. traded all of their first-round picks until <clears throat> 2026. So Grigory Denisenko, that's probably as good as you're going to get. They got Mackie Samuskevich, Justin Sourdief. Moving on to Ottawa, baby. Moving on to Ottawa. They finished 26 last year, 33-42-7, 26th in goals for 11th. Most goals against per game. 20th ranked power play, 16th in team save percentage. That's actually pretty impressive. Uh, key additions. They brought in Alex DeBrincat, Claude Giroux, Cam Talbot. This is some fantasy GM shit, dude. Like, you know, yeah. you, you go out and you get you get the big names. Out. Matt Murray, Connor Brown, Michael Delzato, Philip Gustafsson, Chris Tierney, Adam Gaudet, Victor Mete. They upgraded. This is a better team. I was just going to say, so so let's let's do that Libra scale thing again. They got better. It's like on the floor. Question marks for this team. Cam Talbot, Anton Forsberg split. What are you projecting here? Do you think it's a tandem? So I, I'd have to, you know, uh, I want to say Talbot. Like I want I want to say Talbot. It is Talbot. I, I want to say Talbot should, yeah, should, should not be a split. I think mm-hmm. it should at the very most be a, a 60 40 and i'm hearing that it's a tandem a lot like a, you know that's that's the word but i just i don't buy it i talbot did everything but ask for a trade out of minnesota as soon as they re-upped mark andre Fleury. like he he saw the writing on the wall he knew he was about to be in a shared net and he wanted out he doesn't want to be in a shared net so i think there's got to be certain assurances from ottawa that like he is the starter he wouldn't have gotten traded somewhere to be in another shared net after, you know, he reading between the lines, he, he should, essentially he asked for a trade to Edmonton. Maybe he would have got volume. I think, what did he get? 73 games cool. that year. That would have been Man. cool. That was good times. It was like Devin Dubnik versus Cam Talbot days. Those were the, that was good shit. Uh, all right. Another question mark, who gets bumped to power play two with Giroux and Debrinket additions. Now, before I get your answer here, I think there is an argument for Giroux on power play too. I think it's a bad argument, but it's an argument. Daily Faceoff suggests that Giroux is here on power play too. The only reasoning, the only logic behind this that I can think of is to mentor Tim Stutzler, teaching him what to do. Like, you know, at even strength, it's Giroux and Stutz. And on the power play, it's Giroux and Stutz. And you got Batherson. Batherson's pretty good up there anyway. Like, why not keep him up there and then mentor Stutzler? That's the only argument that I could see. I mean, if somebody's coming off of that first power play unit, though, it's 
it's D-Bath. Oversuits? 100% it's... What? Debrinkat pushed suits out, but Giroud can yes, push Yes, I'm saying... Oh, yo, oh yeah. yeah, I have yeah. I have Debrinkat on the first power play unit already. I thought we For were sure. talking about whether, whether well, or not Giroud was going to be there. I think Debrinkat is a fucking lock for first power play unit. If he's not, then they're stupid. No, 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 no. Don't get me misunderstood. I thought you were saying, you know, when you said if somebody's getting pushed off, it's going to be Batherson. I thought you were between Stutz yeah, and in, Batherson. Yeah, in, in lieu in lieu of in lieu of Giroux, I thought okay. that was the that was the all right the conversation so we're on, we were we're on the same page. We are on Jesus. the same page. Yes. Yeah. No. Let's I, calm down. Alex calm down. Is, get me all fucking riled up. To start talking about <laughs> Alex Debrinket. Uh, their leaders are Alex Debrinket, Brady Kachuk, and Claude Giroux. Uh, Debrinket had 78 points in 82 games. Kachuk had 67 points. Giroux had 65 in 75. Top fantasy targets. Who's going first? Brady Kachuk. Mm. I think there's definitely Brady. a certain type of league where he goes first, but you know, I think it's the other I type of league. It's Debrinket. So, I think he is so well-rounded, it's hard for me not to like Brady Kachuk as far as fantasy goes. I don't like his face, but... The way he plays hockey, he just does everything, and he does so much of it. But if you're not counting hits, pims, or blocks, or shots, you know, like, it's the brink at. Okay, if you're yeah. just, if it's just straight points leagues, then yes, I'll give you that. And and even at that, I think Josh Norris is close there, because you have to at least see what Alex Debrinket is going to do without having a Patrick Kane alongside him. So just to automatically put Alex to Brinkett at the number one spot, as much as I like him, I can't do that right now. This is a 68-point pace for Norris. I think it's easy to put to Brinkett at number one, being honest. Not over uh, – in, in, in points leagues, I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah. And, and, I then, think and Brady, that makes me feel Brady bad because I feel like I'm arguing against my guy. All right, let's 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 start with to Brinkett, and then we'll go to uh, Brady. Debrinket is going to bring that offensive presence. You know, assuming that he's going to line up with Suits and Giroux, I think there's going to be more offensive zone starts there. And Which I love that line. There's going to be less offensive zone starts to go around. So, that, like, I'm not saying that Norris, Kachuk, and Batherson are going to be a defensive zone start line, just that they're not going to be as heavily used offensively. That's what I mean. Do you think Debrinket scores 40 goals here? I think Giroux is just as good a playmaker as Kane. And I don't hate it. I think he's a lock for 35. Very, very possible for 40. I love Tim Stutzler. Oh, yeah. Yes. Lock for, lock. I think he's a lock for 30 goals. 30 and, goals, yeah, no doubt. 35 and, or 40. And a, a very real possibility of backing up and having two 40 point or two 40 goal seasons in a row. I think he he's can. already had two yeah. in his career already, and it, and it wasn't just a fluke. Next up, I think. Brady Kachuk, Alex Debrinkit, that can be your one overall. Remember last year I said that if uh, Brady Kachuk got his shooting percentage to 10%, he would hit 30 goals? It happened. Now imagine what happens if he goes on a bender. He's like a 300-shot kind of guy. Love Brady. Love him. Uh, he is a multi-cat maniac. Uh, if you don't know who he is, I don't know what to tell you. Like he, he hits a lot. He shoots a lot. He's good. The sky's the limit. Josh Norris, baby. Uh, great point pace overall, 68 points in the breakout year. As the power play rises in value, so does Norris. He had 16 power play goals this year in 66 games played. There's some regression, but I think it gets washed out because the team has gotten that much better. So I think we're looking at another 70-point season. I think it's there. So so do I. And he took such a big step last year, not only in you know time on ice, but shots attempted, shots on goal. Now, he did have a beefed-up shooting percentage last year. But he, you know, he was from a 17% to a 20. Now that's saying that likely he's at, you know, if he drops down, what are you thinking he's going to drop down to? Maybe a 15 or 16% possibly. You know, you don't see him going down to, you know, single digits by any means or even like below 15. He's going to continue to do, you know, be on the progression that he's on. He is also a 30 goal scorer. I do. I, I truly believe that Josh Norris is a 30-goal scorer, and I think he's a fantastic centerman. Um, he's great at face-offs. He'll give you a little bit of hits, um, not a ton on blocks, but, I mean, just under a block per game. Uh, I think he's an incredibly well-rounded player, and that top line is an incredibly well-rounded top line. 
That's why I don't think that. That's why I I really do. I I, I think that DFO does have this one right with Drake Batherson being on the top line along with Norris and Kachuk because they have such a rapport already. And I, uh, man, that second line of possibility of Debrinket, Stutzla, and Giroux, man, like that is that is fucking sexy. Uh, you know, there's they've already come out. DJ Smith said that you know Stutz is playing with Debrinket, and you have to imagine that Giroux is there too for it. So I'm right there. Does his shooting percentage worry you, Josh Norris? That is no. That that's what I was just talking about. I mean, I I think if if there is a dip, it's gonna. You know, I think uh, you you could see a 15 or 16%. Now, do I think it's going to be 20% again? No, but I mean, he went from a 17% to a 20%. That's that's not that crazy of a thing. He's going to be, you know, stacked on that top line, stacked on that top power play unit. Um, I don't think that it's going to drop too much. Do I think it's going to be below 20%? Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that a 15, 16% is not going to be that big of a drop off. And if he continues to be on the shot trend that he's on, he's still going to be a 30 goal scorer. And he's still going to be a, you know, uh, I'm thinking more like a, you know, 65, 70 point guy. Nothing crazy, but I think he could break 70 points. All right, Timmy Stutes, that's who I got up next. I think Ottawa went and bought him a line. They bought him a whole line to bring out his room. He's got to be feeling good, right? He's oh, got to be happy. He's got to be happy. How can you Oof. not be? You know, he he built on to his rookie season. He was absolutely buoyed by 27 power play points. He's going to feel that. He's going to feel it. You know, he, without that top power play, he's going to feel it. But you give him 5v5 line mates like to bring out and Giroux, I think everything washes out. We're on pace to see another really great season out of him. It just sucks because it's going to be, you know, the power play isn't going to be as big of a, as big of a factor for him. I'll I'll give you that because there's no way he's getting on that top power play unless there unless there are some serious injuries. So the three players that he played with the most last year: Connor Brown, Alex Foreman, Adam Gaudet. Those are the three players he played with the most last year. Now this year, instead, you're going to be looking at a Claude Giroux. Alex Dabrinka. <laughs> and, you know, we can even just leave Alex Fermentin in there. You know what I mean? Sure. We'll just yeah. leave him in the mix. Let's do those Libra scale things again. On the floor. Like, it, it it's going to be a completely different year for Tim Stutza. I'm actually very high on Tim Stutza. And for the sole reason of just proximity to these new players that are so much better than what he's played with before. Tim Stoops is going to be a late round steal. I don't think people are going to be looking to draft him anytime early. He is going to be a diamond in the rough. It's amazing how many top fantasy targets we have in Ottawa. Drake Batherson up next. Now, tough conversation on the way. I'm a bit nervous with this World Juniors sexual assault stuff. Like, it, you know, not a lot of people want to touch this conversation. You know, Batherson has not come out with a statement saying that he wasn't part of it. And he's one of the, like the only ones who hasn't done it. So, it, you know, I don't want to read between the lines or connect dots that might not even be there, but it is something to worry about. And it is so much bigger than fantasy hockey. So I don't know what to do at this point. Uh, obviously if something happened, then he's got to, he's got to face that music. But uh, if nothing happened, then we can talk about this, you know, without that in the equation. And without that in the equation, Batherson is a very rare breed in fantasy. You get hits, you get shots, you get power play points, you get everything you want in a very well-rounded fantasy player, regardless of the format. 78-point pace this year. You can hit point per game with Batherson here. You know, if he keeps power play one, it's well within reach. Where are you at with Drake Batherson kind of as a whole? Um, I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I am a little bit worried about the, the world junior stuff that, that you had brought up, but I mean, if he ends up playing, I, I, I feel like I'm actually maybe a little higher on him than you are this upcoming year. Cause I mean, I, I, I feel like I've spoken a little more highly of him. Um, now he has a problem with not playing that much. Um, he was out for a big chunk of time last year, about half the year. 
Bobazona, you know, played very well. He had, he had just under a point per game this past year. I think that he is a point per game player, and he's definitely going to be on that top line with Norris. But I, I think that that kind of, I see his ceiling at, you know, right around a point per game. I don't think that he's a 90 point player, but I think that he is an 82 and a half point player. On the dot. On the dot. That's a push. 82 and a half points. Yeah, um, time is going to tell what happens with this investigation and, and that, but it is very real around Drake Batherson. Like, you know, it sucks. It's it's hard to talk about. You know, that's, that's a very real concern when it comes to his fantasy outlook, and it seems so fucking selfish to talk about it like that, you know, when, when real lives were affected. And I don't know. You know, I just I hope justice comes one way or another and uh, we'll revisit in a year. Claude Giroux, another top fantasy target here. We've seen every every single season that there is to see from Giroux. We've seen over 100 points. We've seen 50. We've seen 70. We've seen 90. Like, you know, this is the first we're going to see him in Ottawa and he's meshed really well and immediately in Florida. So I don't think I have any worries about whether or not he can make an impact right out of the gate. In Ottawa, you know, Stutes and Debrinket as line mates, so that's a good place to be. Right wing does dry up quick, and he's often dual eligible, so I think that's really good late round value. Power play one Giroux, power play two Giroux could both happen. He's one of the the best distributors in the game, so it might be unwise for him to be on power play two. But again, there's an argument there because you could do the whole mentor mentee thing with with Timmy Stutes. So I don't, I just don't know where to project him right now. Um in terms of, you know, power play deployment. I mean, even on Philly last year, he was, uh, you know, not that far under a point per game. But once he was in Florida, he scored 23 points in 18 games for Florida. Fantastic. Um, I, I think that he is your, you know, your ge- your generic locker room guy, veteran player. You know what I mean? He is a Swiss Army knife. He's going to be able to fit into, you know, different styles of play. And I I do. I love that line. And I, I'm really excited to see what him and uh, Debrinket and Stutza can do. Mainly what him and, you know, Debrinket can do for Stutz. Just those two players, they are a fantastic yin and yang here. Like, Giroux is, again, one of the best playmakers in the game. And then you have Debrinket, who's just an elite sniper. And you want to have, and you want to have a guy that you know, if Stutza is going to be taking the the bulk of your of your faceoffs, a guy that can come in from the side, uh, you know, for Claude Giroux and win sixty percent of his faceoffs, like he's been a part of Philadelphia teams in the past couple of years, where while they have been bad, they have been one of the best faceoff teams in the entire league, and that's not exactly something that Tim Stutza is fantastic at, so. Having Claude Giroux on the ice with him, where he can maybe you know take a, a, a little more of those faceoffs for him, I think is just a, a fantastic, great idea. Next up, we got uh, Thomas Shabbat, perennially underdrafted, constantly brings heat. Think of the power play one that he's about to go on. Like you know, everybody else is kind of a question mark. There's a, there's a couple locks. You know, Josh Norris, Alex DeBrincat, Thomas Shabbat. He's going to be on this top power play. Is the peripheries okay? The time on ice is legendary. I, I like Shabbat. He's been going, you know, pretty late in our drafts, our mock drafts. It's going to bring value. I mean, I think Shabbat is a great play this year. I had him fourth on my list because I did do it in in order. But that's only because of what he is. Uh, what he is as a defenseman what I think he's capable of doing. Like, he was on a great point pace this year for a defenseman, and it's just going to rise. Like, their team got so much better. He's going to continue to get the same amount of ice time because he's in Ottawa, and that's what they do to their star defenseman. But the hits and the blocks are there. Uh, he, he's fantastic. I, I love Thomas Shabbat. And you're right. He, he gets kind of passed up a lot. But, man, I think he's going to be a great play this year. They have uh, plenty of streamers, too. They got, like, uh, Matthew Joseph, Parker Kelly, Sneaky Bangs, Austin Watson, Bangs, Shane Pinto. Artem Zub. Zuby, yeah. You got to love Zub. 
Um, Matthew Joseph, like last year, he he saw some top six time and was really valuable. That's gone. So, you know, there's a line three ceiling here. You know, Pierre Dorian just went on God mode this this offseason. So we already kind of talked about the goaltending at the top of Ottawa here. I do strongly believe that Talbot pulls volume. It might not be like 70% volume, but I think you said 60-40. That sounds about right. Prospects, they still got Shane Pinto. Jake Sanderson could make an appearance, probably will make an appearance this year. Ridley Grigg, um, you know, Tyler Boucher. They've got They've got some guys. Toronto, closing out our previews. Zach, as you said, saving the best for last. That's that'll make, that'll make some people happy. They finished fourth this year, 54, 21, and 7. Second in goals, four per game. 14th most goals allowed per game. Top ranked power play in the league. Team save percentage ranked 22nd. Their key additions and subtractions. A lot of movement here. Matt Murray, Ilya Samsonov, Callie Yarncroke, Nick Aubey, Kubel, Victor... Mete, Adam Gaudet are in. Out, Jack Campbell, Pina Mrazek, Ilya Mishiev, Andre Kasha, Colin Blackwell, Ilya Labushkin. What happens with this goaltending, Tam? Like, what happens here? This I'm is not happy about having Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov as my goalies. However, I am thrilled to not have Peter Mrazek on my team. I am so happy about that. <laughs> I really am. Uh, like it's Chicago, a, it's a it's, it's a it's a win for me. Even though I lost Jack Campbell out of this deal, and I get Matt Murray instead, I'll take it if I don't have to have Peter Morazic wearing blue. Toronto's super easy to talk about. Like you know, Austin Matthews. You know, he's, he's top three off the board. A lot of people are talking about him. Top two. How many goals do we get? 60, 65? Where's your bet? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't like talking about that kind of stuff with Austin Matthews. Fifty is a, fifty is a floor. Fifty-five. Yeah, you're, the you're, floor. You know, you're gonna make me look bad because I'm biased. I'm biased. I I can't. I can't help me, but like love. I think me he's got a, Austin Matthews. He's got a real chance at sixty again. I don't think yes. that's out of the question. Like no, because he's still gonna take a ton of shots. Dude had 348 he, shots on goal. It's insane. On goal. Dude, if he played a full 82, like I think 65 was there. He was nine games short, and he was like almost a goal per game. It was insane. Like I think he would have hit 65. I do. As soon as he gets 61, he's not happy anymore. He needs to get 65. That's how he is. And I think he wants to do it. But yeah, I mean, he, he just takes so many shots. Uh, yeah, it, uh, 50 is the is the hard floor like basement floor mitch marner i also have mitch marner at number two 100 point season on the way yes i think so i think so too yes i think so like i i don't see why why it couldn't happen i still think that they're going to stick with this austin matthews mitch marner combination and i i think they're going to go with the with the duels that they have doing and i don't see why they would change it you have austin matthews and mitch marner on one line and you have John Tavares and William Nylander on the other line. And in that, you have two-third wheels that you're just automatically turning into, you know, either draft options or or, or streamer options. Um, you have Michael Bunting, clearly. I think that he is going to be, you know, very draftable this year. Do I think that he has a very good chance of regression? Of course he does, because he kind of broke out last year out of nowhere. But at the same time, he is going to be in that top six. So whether he's playing with Austin Matthews, who is one of the best players in the entire world, or a line with John Tavares and William Nylander, that's better than fucking like we were talking about um, like Arizona's top line. Like that's better than Arizona's top line. You know what I mean? And that's that's the second line. That's that's a top line on, on a bunch of teams in the league. So even if he is, I think those are it's your top six right there, and your and Morgan Riley. Those are the people you're looking at. It's it's That's just exactly. the truth. So what's your order there? So for me, it's Matthews, Marner, then Riley, Nylander, Tavares, Bunting. Um, I am so close. I just had Tavares and Nylander switch. I had more, I and I because I've been doing mine, and you know, in like what I kind of would pick them in, and I've. You know, Amat, Marner, Morgan Riley, John Tavares, then Nylander, and then Bunting, and then my streamers start. 
I have Neil. I like, you know, he continues to get better, almost touching a point per game this year. He's a winger, so I'm going to give him the edge. Uh, you know, John Tavares, not a bad season. You know, usually he's good for 70, but came very close to point per game as well this year. We don't know if it's going to be Kerfoot, if it's going to be Robertson, if it's going to be bunting on that that other spot. So that remains to be seen. But I do. I, I like Neilander better. Uh, what is what is Michael Bunting's 27 year old? I mean, sophomore season look like. That was very scripted. I wrote it here as another it was as, also as just one, mean. one final jab. It was also just mean. You know what I mean? It's not his fault he got, well, maybe it is his fault that he got moved up that late. But still, um, at the same time, you have two elite players that are 90 to 100 point players. If he is playing with them all year, which likely he'll be playing with them at least most of the year, I think that he is he's a 60 point player, if not more. If he is really playing with them, I think he could get above 70 uh, solely because I don't see him, you know, having any chance of that top power play unit. And I think that's what really would kind of bolster him to, you know, that that next level, if if he would. You know, I mean, he's not going to be a point per game player until, uh, you know, if possible at all, unless he's getting power play time with the big boys. I'm taking the under on 70. That's for sure with Michael Bunting. For sure. I said he's more like a 60-point player, but he has a chance at 70. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm taking the If you're playing with Austin Matthews, who's getting 100 points, and you're playing with uh, Mitch Barner, who's going to have 90 points, then, yeah, I think 70 is possible. Maybe. (laughs) Still going to take the under. He did it last year with 200-point players and got a 65-point pace. And it didn't feel real. That's, you know, that's just me. I like him, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Streamers for me, Kerfoot, Robertson, Muzzin, Giordano even, you know, take your pick. Robertson, if he, if he winds up in the top six, that's as good a spot you can be. Kerfoot, if he's the other top six guy, really it's it's like you said earlier, it's just whoever's in that top six. That's it. And then it kind of, I don't much like this third line. Callie Arncroke will always have a soft spot in my heart. Because he won me like eighty bucks on DFS when we used to play every night in the kitchen, but uh, I just I don't have it right now. Goaltending, hmm. We've been avoiding this one. This could go any way. It could go a bunch of different ways. Like Murray gets hurt, Samsonov takes over. Samsonov does well. Samsonov does poorly. Murray stays healthy. Murray surprises everyone under the spotlight. Does well. Or Murray flops and is the Matt Murray that we've grown to know over the past few years. Murray which has Al- dropped <laughs> which one do you think? so hard. He has dropped so hard in drafts. Like, I, I feel like he's someone... I, I feel like you should draft Matt Murray. I do. I, I feel you like should. you should draft Matt Murray. But the whole thing is because you don't have to draft him, you know, anytime early. You can draft him in, like, you know, the eighth or ninth round, you know, when that when that, you know goalie runs really starts going but if i'm going zero g and matt murray is my is my number one goalie i am perfectly fine with that Ooh, i'd be nervous as fuck but i mean that's that's what you get well if you're going zero g you're not gonna have you know yeah you're not gonna have a shesterkin true you're gonna end up with a with a bennington and a murray or a or an Anton Forsberg and a more and a Murray something like that like that's what you're going to end up with it's just fact. Their prospects they have. Um, well, I guess before we do that, like, what's your projection? What what's your bet? What's the outcome for you? Like me, I'm not getting my hopes up, so I won't be disappointed. Oh, I mean, I'll 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 climax. I always do. <laughs> my gut, which is weird, my gut says Murray surprises a lot of people. Like. It's it's a weird feeling. I I was just the one saying that people should draft Murray, so I, I, I I'm inclined to agree with you. I think he's the starter on a top five team in the league, so yeah. go for it. But Murray has had injury problems, and I just I wonder. I I think he will like being the guy. Like you know, he was the savior in Pittsburgh, and he really thrived under that. And I think Toronto's a huge market. Maybe the pressure gets to him, but uh, if he gets some steam in. Well, he—I mean—he was in Pittsburgh earlier in his career, and 
And that's a not that it's a huge market or anything like that, but there are expectations. All right. Uh, you know, actually, I want to open this one up to Twitter at FHF Hockey. Give me your Matt Murray projections, please. I want to see what the pulse is on Matt Murray and even Ilya Simsonov. So hit me up on Twitter because I'm, I'm just wildly curious and what you guys are thinking. Like part of me really thinks that this is going to work. But I, going out on air and saying this, like, you know, it's it's hard. Uh, prospects, Matthew Knees, Nicholas Robertson, Topi Nimala, Rodion Amirov. Um, you know, there's, there's some guys there, but uh, a lot of them are second rounders. That's what happens. Like, they, they trade a lot of first rounders. So the second round in Toronto is essentially a first round pick. So these guys get shots and uh, they make their way. So. That is it for our divisional previews, guys. Uh, let us know what you think. You guys can leave a review. Please leave a review on iTunes uh, with some words and some stars. That would be rad. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at FHF Hockey. You can join the Fantasy Hockey Discord. Uh, get in on those mocks, man. We got Monday, Wednesday, Friday mocks running every single week. Three mocks a week. It's insane. So come have some fun in the Discord and say what's up. So until then, we got our rankings coming out next week we're starting with left wing moving to right wing and center then we're doing d then goalie i think um we're gonna have kevin woodley on the show too so we're gonna be talking to him about some goalies hopefully get some matt murray clarity that would be amazing i always love having him on the show but uh until next time guys we love you love you